This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey, everyone. What is going on at HISD with the new education system? And why is Mayor Sylvester Turner not happy with recent changes? Plus, a constable who allegedly violated a federal regulation was rehired days after he resigned from another precinct is raising a lot of questions. It's time to recap the week with Pulitzer Prize finalists Evan Mintz and dynamic media personality Andrew Shell Nova. It's Friday, July 28th, 2023. I'm Raheel Ramsnali, and here's what Houston's talking about. Evan, Antra Shell, good morning. How are y'all doing? What's up, Antra Shell? What's up? Good morning. Happy Friday. Yeah, yeah. we made it. How are you doing, Evan? I am doing great. I got rained this week. It rained. I am so happy. You were one of the lucky ones. I like <laughs> it. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, before we get into some hard-hitting news, I have a question for y'all that I want to get your perspective because we're three Houstonians from three different backgrounds, from three different age groups. So I want to know if this story is important to you or not. So the Tennessee Titans are bringing back the Oilers uniform this season and Houstonians are losing their minds. Do y'all care at all, Evan? Uh, that's ours. We're the Oilers. I think it is a shame that when the Oilers moved and became the Tennessee Titans, that they took all the Oilers nostalgia with them. We should have been able to hold on to that. And then when we got another team, just make them the Oilers again. No offense to the Texans, but come on. Boring name. You guys, as a newborn baby, not knowing anything about sports, the first picture that the world saw me in, I had on a Love Your Blue shirt. Mm -hmm. Give us back our Oilers. That's Hours. Like, why y'all couldn't change the name to something else? And yeah, I'm offended. I feel like, oh, that's scandal. How dare they? You guys are going to hate me for this, but you ready? I have a hot take. Yeah, go ahead. I think we're being crybabies about this. <gasps> Let it go. Right they here. left us. They no. left us. And it's a team that didn't win a championship. We're acting like <laughs> this is the Astros leaving us or the Houston Rockets from the 90s. Come on, get over it. We've got Deep Steel Blue and Battle Red. So let's let, let's support the Texans. The Oilers have moved on. We can still support the colors and rock the Columbia Blue. But come on, it's time to move on. It's okay. Who cares? Boo. That's like saying my little brother moved away. He's no longer a part of the family. No, we still love him. No, your little brother mm -hmm. decided to move away and said, I'm good. I don't like this house, actually. But we can still call him over for Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Houston is a city so lacking for culture, so lacking for history. We don't hold on to stuff. We tear it down. And when we have something, we give it away. We let it yeah. leave. No, I think whatever we've got, we've got to hold on with dear life. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. See, this is why I wanted to get everyone's opinions. All right. Let's get into some news. What was your biggest story of the week, Andrew Show? So, listen, everybody has heard a 
about the new education system model to eliminate librarians and to turn the libraries into in-school detention centers. And Mayor Turner said, Mike Miles, baby, you have gone too far. And I agree. Now, during the city council meeting on Wednesday morning, Sylvester Turner's asked Superintendent Mike Miles to reverse course on his policy to related libraries. Mike plans to cut librarians at, at most of the 85 NES and NES aligned schools and convert the libraries into team centers where misbehaved students will watch their class on Zoom. Ugh. Now, this is what Mayor Turner had to say. He said, when you close the libraries, you have gone too far. And adding that Miles is dismantling the largest educational district in the state of Texas. You cannot educate the the kids and close the libraries and then turn them into disciplinary centers. What's the message that you're telling our kids? And that's my point on that. Y'all, what message are we now sending saying you don't need to read? You don't need to come and learn, but you can use this space to uh, hold or in-house detention. What happened to the classrooms that were sitting on the side or in the bungalows where we used to house our in-house suspension or misbehaving students? Why does we don't we have to take the libraries, guys? So one thing to add to this, just to get the facts out there, the books are still going to be there and they are going to have an honor system where students can go check out books. So it's not like they're getting away with all the books or anything like that. And that is the whole point, Andrew Shell. Reading into this, they want students who are facing disciplinary issues not to be in a box. They still want to be able to get uh, classroom instruction via Zoom. There's going to be groups broken out as well. So it'll be a more collaborative approach to the discipline. So they're trying something out and they're trying to see if this will work at these schools. So I just want to point that out just in case people haven't read the story. But he- at, in the library, like you guys remember in-house suspension. It's just another mm-hmm. classroom that's like off the side to the gym or in the old part of the school, right? It's not as fun. They can still watch their Zoom classes in there, right? Why do we have to overtake the library? Why? I'm trying to give them just the benefit of a doubt in all of this and hoping that it goes well. Maybe the thought is that if you're in a room surrounded by books, it still feels like an academic setting. Uh, but it's a, the loss of the librarians is part of this plan that really disturbs me, that those are important roles for helping kids navigate books, experience literature and knowledge outside of what you normally get in the classroom. And at the same time, they're firing all these folks in central administration, which I get as an idea of trying to free up the budget and cut unnecessary positions. But at the same time, it, they're telling these administrators that you can't take breaks, you can't take vacations, we need you there to work weekends. If you're cutting so far into the meat that you're hitting bone, uh, I'm skeptical. Now, Evan, to your point where you're saying you're trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, you can't tell one side without telling the other. Superintendent Mike said you will see firsthand the unique attributes of this model and its ability to support student achievement. The superintendent also stated that in most campuses, we position team centers and libraries because they provide a physical space to support differentiated learning experiences and are centrally located within the campus itself. So that goes to the point where I was saying, well, it's normally in the back. Like, why would we do that? So I'm just trying to be fair in the story, you know, so I can say, okay, this is what the mayor said. And this is what the superintendent said. I see where he's going with this, but I am still just like Evan. Why do we have to, they have to lose their jobs? And why do they need to be in the library?
So the librarians will get reassigned roles within HISD. So they are not losing their jobs, but they are losing their privilege to work in a library. So yeah, like that does suck. So there are a lot of different, you know, moving parts in all of this. And by the way, the Houston Chronicle had a really good op-ed today where they looked at these Zoom rooms. That's what they're calling them, where these detention centers pretty much turn into an extra room to learn, right? Like we talked about, but they had a really good look at it and a look at one of the NES schools. I've linked that story in our show notes. So if you want to take a, a further look at what these schools will look like before August 28th, which is the first day of HISD returning to school, you can check that out in our show notes. So there's a lot going on. Of course, this is a very heated topic because of the changes, because of the takeover, because of the drastic implementation of new systems that are being put in place by Mike Miles. So we'll keep tabs on the story. But hey, Let's see if it works, right? Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Evan, how about you? What was the biggest story of the week? I think the biggest story of the week is the ongoing crisis at Texas A&M. I mean, Reveille must be burying her head in the sand in shame about what's going on over there. The top headline is that the Texas A&M professor was uh, put on suspension for criticizing Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick in a lecture. What happened is that Professor Joy Alonzo gave a lecture on opioids at UTMB, another school, and a student there, who just so happened to be the daughter of Land Commissioner Don Buckingham, reported that she disparaged our beautiful, amazing, gorgeous, brilliant Lieutenant Governor, and threw the grapevine and got up to Patrick's chief of staff, who then started talking with Texas A&M Chancellor John Sharp, and who said that Alonzo was placed on administrative leave pending investigation. I think that criticizing elected officials and their policies is probably one of the safest territories for anyone to go into. That's why they exist, to be criticized. Politicians are out there for us to poke at them and criticize them. Scott Braddock of the Quorum Report, probably the most plugged-in reporter in Austin, called the whole affair straight-up authoritarianism, and even some conservative pundits are weighing in. Brad Palumbo at Base Politics said folks should be, quote, calling out Dan Patrick's office and the Texas A&M administrators for one of the most egregious cancel culture cases yet. And all of this follows some instances where Patrick shut down a book event at a state museum for the book Forget the Alamo and banning reporters from the floor of the Senate. Meanwhile, Texas A&M president Catherine Banks has resigned around fallout of the failed hiring of journalism professor Dr. Kathleen McElroy to lead the school's journalism program. McElroy is an incredible leader in the field. She was director of the University of Texas School of Journalism. She has 20 years of experience in journalism. She has a doctorate. And her dad was a groundbreaking journalist in Houston's third ward. But apparently the muckety-mucks at A&M didn't like her focus on race and journalism. And the school did a bait and switch on her hiring from a tenured position to a five-year contract to one year at will. And in the end, she just stayed at UT. Now, I often try to defend Texas A&M, which is rare for a Rice grad, I know. But it's a school that really contributes to humanity's knowledge. It has tons of incredibly useful research and patents. As a gardener, I love their work. And it's a place that educates a lot of first-generation students, graduating them into public service. And Houston relies on Texas A&M for our economy. But right now, this feels like the bad old days of Aggie jokes and the jackbooted core and a well-deserved reputation of reactionaryism. And right now, I'm just wishing that we still had the Southwest Conference so that the Marching Owl Band could make fun of these guys all over again. <laughs> okay, Evan, isn't it ironic that 
it was journalism that created more drama for Texas A&M because they did not want to hire a new journalism lead because of everything that went on. Like you mentioned, it is crazy what is happening over there and the dry snitching that's going on. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, can you believe what they said about our great Dan Patrick? Like, uh, <laughs> mom, mom, what is happening here? Come on, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. It, you're telling me free speech isn't free, right? That That's what I'm hearing. I, I mean, it just feels like that a lot of the people who should have the thickest skin and all of this have the thinnest skin. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes it shows that the folks like to puff up their shoulders and take on this veneer of masculinity really are just very sensitive souls. And we need to be nice to them. When did we all become so sensitive? When did we all become so, he said this about me, man, man, mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what this is. It, it's disgusting. They have so many other things to be worried about right now than what he say, she say. And I'm disgusted. This is A&M, baby. A&M is, was normally held in a high regard, but child, A&M, your, your slip is showing, baby. I'm going to text Dan Patrick right now. Answer shows being critical of you. <laughs> Tell him run up, baby. I'm in Sunnyside. Come get me. I got a squad with me. And I will uh, verbally assassinate you for fun. Hey. Hey. (laughs) At least with all the HISD stuff, we're focusing on like student outcomes and test scores and all the stuff that schools are there to do. All the scandal around A&M isn't, oh, are graduates smart enough? Are kids passing classes? Are they getting good jobs? It's all side stuff. It's all distraction. All the conversations about education, whether K through 12 or higher ed, really should be on are these institutions doing their jobs or not? Right. Well said. Well said. All right. My biggest story of the week, the Kinder Institute found that about 51% of renters in Harris County were spending more than 30% of their income on rent in 2021, which is a slight increase from 2019, which saw about 48% of renters spending a third of their income on rent. Now, nearly 90% of single-parent renter households throughout the country were cost-burdened by the end of 2021, and of course, that was impacting Harris County as well. Now, there are other things to take into account. It's not just the rent. It's the food, the transportation, childcare, which is huge as well, is causing a lot of issues for Harris County residents and renters in general. One other note, rent in Harris County had increased by about 29% to 1,164 while the median household income has increased about 23% to about 44000 a year. So, you know, it, that comes in about $3,700 a month, but 1100 of that is going to rent, and that leaves you in a tough spot. So, you know, we've seen it, right? There's more people moving here, and cost has gone up across the board in a lot of things, and now that burden is being felt uh, for Harris County residents. It's sad, you guys, because it's like, what can they do? You know, what what can we do about this entire crisis? I don't know. Just stay where you at. Don't move to Houston, okay? Don't don't come here. No, 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 mm-hmm. no. Please do move here. We need the population. I think the problem is that Houston, the thing we've always had going for us is that we have jobs and that it's cheap to live here, that housing is affordable. And we just keep building further and further and further out. Uh, to try to get that land to build affordable homes. But we're reaching the limits of that. And I think the challenge for the next mayor, and that election is coming up soon, is to figure out how Houston can remain a place that is affordable to live in. We've really taken a lot of the low-hanging fruit already. We don't have zoning. We don't have a lot of regulation. We allow sprawl. So what else is left? What can you do to make sure that housing is cheap? Do we need 
uh, worker visas, so we have more construction workers in Houston? Do we need to get rid of parking minimums and setback requirements? What are the regulatory barriers? Do we need to incentivize denser construction? Like, what is it? I, I don't think the answer is particularly obvious. Uh, and I think that a lot of the leadership in our region needs to get on this because we are going to lose one of the great things we have going for us if suddenly it becomes unaffordable to live in Houston. Yep. I, I like I like the way you put that, Evan. You made me see it in a different light. So point taken. Well, thank you. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. All right, Andrew Shell, let's get to your most overlooked story of the week. What do you have? Child, did y'all hear about those two Baytown teachers that worked at a good a First Baptist Academy and they lost their jobs for going to a drag show at Hamburger Mary's? If you've ever been to a show at Hamburger Mary's, my goodness, it is a wonderful time. And them women had a good time. Because I know I had a good time when I was there. The school's senior pastor told the TV station that they were fired for allegedly violating the clause listed in the school's operating policies manual that said, I will act in a godly and moral fashion at work, on Facebook, and in my community. And because these women posted this picture of the drag queens on Facebook, they lost their job for 20 years. How crazy is that? this. And the teacher said that they didn't realize that attending the drag show would put her in violation of the school's guidelines because to her, the show was about entertainment. And it is. And the former physical education teacher also said that she's a lifelong Christian, to which her means loving everyone equally. Man, this got me hot because this is so not cool. What y'all think about this? I can't believe that they're all worked up over Hamburger Marys. It's like the Chili's of drag shows. It's like the Applebee's <laughs> of drag shows. It is like the most bland, boring, straightforward version of the drag show. And it's great. And it's fun. And people love it. But like, come on. This is like the mass produced drag show. It's Everyone should be able to accept this minimum standard of drag show as acceptable. And what really pisses me off is that at the same time, you've got ongoing litigation against Paul Pressler, a key leader in the Southern Baptist movement for raping a 14-year-old boy and mm -hmm. sexually harassing a series of young men. And people have known about it for years. Like, right. where is the outrage in the Baptist churches for things like that? Yep. My big thought was, I wish Next time I'm caught up in something that is critical, I have the grace that Christy Maris had, the teacher who posted it, because she took it in stride. She's like, look, I'm going to do it again. I don't care. I had a blast. <laughs> and if you're going to fire me, you're going to fire me. I'll just retire. It's no big deal. She's been there for 20 years. Her students love her. So she feels great in the community. And she knows that she didn't do anything wrong. 
But I just love her attitude towards it. She's like, yeah, I would do it again. It was a blast. What do you want me to do? I didn't do anything wrong. Correct. I love that. Well, what can you mm-hmm. do, right? Like, this is just a flat out uh, act of hate, right? Not towards her, but towards the stance that she's supporting. Like she said, you got to love everybody. You know, and the people always say, oh, this is not godly. You know, supporting this community is not godly. Our job is to love. And this is what she's showing as a Christian. These women showing, I just love everybody. I'm having a good time. This is a sing-along. Like Evan says, Hamburger Marys is a good time. And I can't wait to see what's going to happen to them after this. And she probably need to retire. She probably didn't want to be there anyway, child. Yeah, 20 years, she's like, I'm done. I'm good. You know what? If this is how I'm going to go out, fine. And there are a lot of GoFundMes popping up for both teachers to raise some funds for them because they have been let go of their jobs. So good to see the community rally around them as well after they put in so many years. Yeah. All right, Evan, how about you? What was your most overlooked story of the week? I think the most overlooked story this week is this crisis in the constable's office. A former constable deputy in Harris County Precinct 1 resigned this week while he's under investigation for having a GPS jammer in his vehicle that violates federal regulation and also local regulation because they're worried that officers use this to work an extra job while on duty. But the moment he left Precinct 1, he was rehired in constable office Precinct 6. And this also follows another scandal in which he unleashed his canine, his dog, on an unarmed civilian, allowing the dog to tear into his shoulder for nearly a minute while he was being handcuffed. And as the dog was pulled away, you can hear in the background a constable cheering the whole thing going on. One of the other constables involved in this attack died by suicide shortly after, after confessing to sexually abusing multiple children he drugged. Now, the big scandal here is that we allow officers to get away with bad behavior, moving from department to department to department without having their licenses revoked. And when you let this happen, it undermines community safety. Research shows that misbehavior by individual officers can spread like a virus through departments, having otherwise law-abiding officers becoming more and more likely to cross the line if they don't see that punished. And allowing officers to get away with bad behavior undermines trust in law enforcement. People who don't trust officers are less likely to report crimes and cooperate with investigations, and prosecutors can struggle to convict real bad, dangerous people who pose threats to the public if jurors don't believe the testimony of rogue cops. Uh, Earlier this year, Texas 2036 published an excellent report on the problem of wandering officers who rack up controversies and travel from department to department, and they have called for TCOL, the state oversight agency, to really be bolstered up to stop this sort of thing from happening. The legislature didn't do anything bad, but they just kind of kicked the can on this, waiting for the next session to do something more robust. But big picture, this system of constables in Harris County really doesn't make any sense. We have overlapping agencies that are inherently inefficient, ineffective. They don't really tackle violent crime. They waste a lot of money. There's no civilian oversight. The Kinder Institute published a study a few years ago on how it wastes millions of dollars. I wrote an op-ed saying we just needed to get rid of them, and the San Antonio Express News has called for a constitutional amendment to eliminate them. You wouldn't design any sort of law enforcement system like this from the ground up, and we're stuck with a broken one right now, and we're dealing with the consequences. So what do you think happens with this, Uh, the the case specifically, and then in general with that system? Like what happens? I don't know what happens, but if it's anything like a lot of the scandals we see in law enforcement, it's probably just going to disappear from the headlines and go away. 
you know, it's really hard to fire officers. It is hard to revoke their licenses. And I think we need to have a very straightforward, objective standard where if you violate public trust, if you break rules multiple times, that we take your license away. The same way you disbar a lawyer, the same way you take away a teacher's license, the same way you take away a doctor's certification. That these positions that have significant amounts of public trust need to be held to the highest standard. Well said. Yeah. If you, if you would get fired from another job for doing this, you should be fired as a police officer. And Absolutely. I think that police officers do important, critical roles in society. They have dangerous jobs. And I think that we need to reward that with good pay, good retirement, general respect. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be able to fire the bad ones. All right. My most overlooked story of the week, we stick within the police category. The head of the Houston Police Officers Union, Douglas Griffith, is calling for a change at the top of the Houston Forensic Sciences Center by wanting the Forensic Center's president, Dr. Peter Stout, to resign. Now, what's happening is there's a backlog of cases, whether it be rape kits, evidence, there's just a big backlog. Now, the drama starts here because HPD ran the center and it was a mess before a group took it over in 2012 and it was really bad. Now, cases are being outsourced and evidence is being run by another group, but in general, the HPDU wants a change at the top because it is hurting cases, trying to solve cases, and as Douglas Griffith put it, we're putting criminals back on the street because this is a major part of solving crimes. You know... I generally trust the police union about as far as I could throw them. The Texas Observer had a great piece a little while ago about how the uh, new leadership uh, in the crime lab has really turned it around and really improved things. Yes, there's a massive backlog, and I think they need more funding to build it out. But I would believe this more if I heard it, say, from the police chief or the mayor or the sheriff. But as you pointed out, the whole forensics lab used to be under the police. They separated out for best practice. And the sense I get is just the police are mad that they're not in charge anymore. Uh, I think that the call to action there should be that we can close this backlog by giving them more resources, doing more hiring, dismissing unnecessary low-level cases, and focus on the big cases. And the fact that they're calling for firing at the top rather than systemic reforms that you know could actually be connected to improving the pipeline uh, makes me think that the call to action is a little over the top. And Eyewitness News reached out to the lab for a quote, and they've been very upfront about why there is a backlog. They said that it's because of staff turnover and an increased request for services. So they're not running away from it, Evan, as you mentioned. They're not just trying to pass the blame. They're saying, look, here's what's happening. And yes, we can improve. So good to see them taking accountability as well. Mm -hmm. All right, let's get to our moment of joy. What sparks some joy in your soul, Andrew Shell? Give me a high note here. Okay, it's it's almost August and Houston is hot. And I was so <laughs> happy to find 10 indoor playgrounds here in Houston because I'm not going outside, okay? My child has to go outside every day and I said no. I tell them, no, you're not going outside. I'm not going. It's not that you can't go outside. It's just, I'm not going. So that means you can't go. And so I found 10 indoor playgrounds in Houston. So I don't have to sit outside and my child can play his little heart's desire. They are everywhere from Katy to Pearland to Cypress Creek. They are everywhere. And we have provided the link 
so you guys can enjoy it too. My favorite is Kids Empire off of 15, 135 North Freeway. They're open Monday through Thursdays from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Friday through Saturday from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. It's only $17.90 per child. Hallelujah. Because that's less than $20 for me. You understand? And they can go play. And it's free for two adults per child. Did you hear what I said, parents? Free for two adults per child and $5 per additional adult. I don't know why three parents need to go see one child play, but whatever. It's only an extra five. That is some good, good fun. It's obstacle courses, a playground slides, creative building areas, and many vehicles for children and their parents to play together. They also have a dance floor inside with the soccer arena. Kids Empire has plenty to keep the kids busy and out of the sun. I like Kids Empire. That is the first one, but there are so many more on the list. I hope you guys enjoy it just as much as I have. It's so funny. I was texting with my childhood friends this week about the heat and the conversation was, hey, did we play outside when we were younger and like notice the heat or what happened? Was it this hot when we were younger? Because it is crazy out there. Are we just spoiled adults? But yeah, it it was just thinking back like, yeah, we used to play in this heat. No big deal. We played in the heat and I knew then as a child that being outside was not for me. Okay. I was bougie. (laughs) I was bougie when I was my son's age. He's four. And that's when I knew that I was not meant to be outside. So I was always (laughs) angry when we were forced to sit out there because it was hot. It was hot. No, I uh, I took my kids to the Kids Empire out on Beach Nut. And this past weekend, I had my first birthday party at a Pump It Up which is those indoor bounce houses. And I've got to say, those places must print money because all it is Mm -hmm. is a room, a bounce house, and like two people working there. And you've got dozens of kids and they churn you through, they cycle you through, they take in that money and they spit you out. Like, how do you get in on that racket? (laughs) And I like being the sports doctor that gets to repair all the ACLs. (laughs) Yeah. No, I I feel like this only makes sense in a state where you've had tort reform or you can like sign away your arbitration rights. (laughs) <laughs> I am so scared to go in those trampoline parks. I am not blowing an ACL because of a trampoline park. All right. I'm just letting you know right now. Evan, how about you? What sparked some joy in your soul today? What sparked joy for me is the Houston Endowments announcement of their plan to truly tackle homelessness in Houston. They've got a $15 million grant to uh, fund four key Houston area organizations, the Houston Coalition for the Homeless, uh, Search Homeless, The Beacon, and U.S. Vets. And what really stands out to me about this is how Houston is taking on homelessness successfully, that we have reduced our homeless population by 25,000 over the past few years at a time when other major cities see their population growing. It shows that Houston has a successful policy at hand. We build homes and make it easy to build homes. We meet people while they are, help them navigate the system. We work with landlords and property owners to help find places where we can connect people and get them inside homes. And we also use carrots and sticks. You know, the police are out there saying that you can't sleep here, you can't be here. But at the same time, they are well-trained to interact with people in a productive way peaceful way and show them that there are resources that can help them out. Not too long ago, the Houston Chronicle had a great series on people who were living in tents under the freeway. And these are people who work, people who have jobs, people who have come onto hard times and they really want to get into homes. I think there is this growing fear uh, 
that is often spread by partisan media or just bad cable news about homelessness. And we have solutions here in Houston. Rarely do we focus on the things we do well. We don't like to talk about ourselves too much. I think a lot of the national media overlooks us. But right now, folks from the New York Times on down are looking at Houston and saying, they have a successful model here. How can we replicate it in other places? And I think we need to be loud and proud about that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Be loud and proud. Lead the way and change mm -hmm. society. I love that. I love, I love that. It. All right. My moment of joy. Texans training camp started this week and we're <laughs> one step closer to football returning on the pro level and college football as well. But the big story from the week was that Texans wide receiver John Mechie III returned to the field after missing his rookie year out of Alabama after a fight with leukemia. So he returned. He is going to work his way back up. He was a second round draft pick. And there's a lot of potential there for this young wide receiver. But I love seeing that he is fighting and he is not letting leukemia mm -hmm. define his life. So I'd love to see that. And best of luck to him. That's a real good feel good story. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. Antrichel, Evan, thank you so much. That was a lot of fun. Enjoy your weekends, and we will talk to you down the road. All right, be easy. Talk to you later. Stay cool out there. That was Evan Mintz and Antrichel Nova. You can read all of the stories we discussed with the links in our show notes. Before we go, are you looking for something to do around town this weekend? Well, subscribe to our newsletter, Hey Houston, at houston.citycast.fm for the latest and greatest events happening around H-Town. That will do it for this week here on CityCast Houston. Our lead producer is Dina Kespa. Our producer is Carleon Jones. Our newsletter editor is Brooke Lewis. And the host is me, Rigel Ramzanali. Our music is by the band All The Kimonos. We'll be back on Monday with a look at how you can stay safe from a new wave of crimes sweeping H-Town. Thank you for listening, and I hope you learned something new. You know, Evan is doing a beautiful job of saying exactly what I'm thinking today. Like, y'all, come on.